0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode number two of the Inside View Real Estate Podcast. My name is Carl Freund. I'm here with the very, very handsome Josh Zoonga. And today we're talking about the 2021 real estate forecast. And will this thing actually crash? So stay tuned, it's gonna be a good episode. Anytime you inject that kind of money into an economy, there's gonna be people there, a very small segment that really take advantage of the system. And so, but we saw it very widespread. I remember you know, uh, I used to own a mortgage company and, you know, a big part of that branch was we actually owned a title insurance agency in-house and AmeriQuest Mortgage was a very big lender in our area. and We had that account. We service that account. I remember yeah. going into the AmeriQuest office on a bright Tuesday morning. It was a Tuesday morning and I remember exactly where I was. Went into the office and I look over and there's a dude cooking the books, meaning that he was literally filling out somebody's 1040 wow. tax return, yeah. right? And, and basically... This is a common story that you hear across the board. Yeah, especially with some of the subprime loan, loan, you know, companies. And so when we talk about the run up, the run up is fundamentally different. In 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, Mm -hmm. a lot of those subprime loans that were made were made on the assumption based on history that, you know, look, if you invest in real estate, the prices won't go down, right? And so everybody got greedy. And greed is always gonna be the driving factor behind a huge run up like this, and then eventually a correction or a crash, as you call it. Yeah. And so when you look at the fundamentals in this run up, really the run up started probably late 2011, and now it's 2021, 10 years, which is basically an unprecedented run up. And people can actually afford what they're, what they're buying now. So the income qualifications is a lot more stringent. Debt to income ratios need to be tightened up a little bit, meaning, you know, you actually need to make money to cover the mortgage and cover your outstanding other loans. And so, you know, what we're seeing now in the short term, in the last year, because of COVID and the artificial um, demand that's been created by the Fed by lowering mortgage rates, essentially lowering the overnight Fed rate, um, it created a lot of demand. And so we see that run-up. Anytime we see a huge run-up like that, we're like, oh, shit, you know, something's going to happen here in the future. And yeah, there is... Cause to be concerned because greed always plays human nature plays into this a lot. Absolutely, and I do think that um, at some point we have to have some kind of crushing because of the affordability. If rates ever were to increase, and they have to at one point, right? Because you can't get a two point six five percent thirty year fixed right now. You're not going to be able to do that in five years. You can't sustain that. Yeah, you know so. You know, cheap money like that. So you're going to see inflation. You're going to see some some upward price pressure. Um, at what point do you have to be like, I can't afford that?
1: Yeah. You know. So even going back, you know, back to two thousand eight. So you're saying there's a lot of things that I was Tom now, Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things, especially in the lending industry, um, that you know set set forth exactly what two thousand eight was almost gonna happen. It was almost set up and completely. From way, the way it seems like, as far as the subprime lending, the way you're telling me, even some of the lenders being incentivized to do some of these subprime loans, and also taking these stated income, saying oh, I yeah. make a hundred thousand when you actually make fifty, but you still get approved for the house, and then when it has a balloon payment or interest payment, you're like, whoa, my payment went from fifteen hundred to like twenty two hundred. I can't afford it. Yep. And is that is that the kind of thing that really happened um, when they started calling in these loans? You had and their payments just skyrocketed. And that's where the foreclosure rates really started. Yeah.
0: So we got really kind of creative back in the day. We would do like 3-1-R, which is basically, you know, it's fixed for the first three years and then it would adjust after that. Okay. And so we got into an environment where, you know, as risk increases in the market, you know, they have to compensate that um, through interest rate rising, you know. And so if the rate went up, you know, as you get that teaser rate, that, you know, 3.5% teaser rate for first three years, and then it goes to... Five and a half percent. Bam! Payments another five hundred bucks a month. Huge jump. Yeah, for a lot of people, that's a big jump. For a lot of families, that can put you in a hard spot. Really, hard yeah, position. You make some difficult decisions, right? Absolutely. And so you get into a situation where you got unemployment increasing. You've got, you know, a lot of economic indicators pointing the wrong way. I was shorting Countrywide stock in two thousand five because I saw the writing on the wall in two thousand five. Yeah. And I was way too soon, as I usually am. Um, but what we saw there was. You know, it it almost was a light switch, whereas here, you know, the demand might decrease just a little bit. I don't think it's going to be a massive shock to the system as it was in 2008, 2009, you know.
1: Well, even since then, because of, in essence, the malicious lending that was going on and all the regulations now that are in place... To protect borrowers or buyers, you know, from you know instances that like happened like that in 2008, correct?
0: Yes. It's definitely a lot more
1: tight, you know, as far as it's the qualifications. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. You know, you don't have countrywide making bullshit loans where it's like it was called Josh. It was called the the fast and easy loan. <laughs> that is literally what it was called. Wow. wow. In, if you had that a 720 score or a 730 yeah. score or some shit, you didn't need to provide any income docs, no asset documentation. They would do like 90 percent financing, no questions asked, cash out the whole thing. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah.
1: For those of you guys that are interested in first-time home buying, it's definitely a different process nowadays where you yeah, have to you come have to in,
0: show your in,
1: show your income, bring in your W-2s. If you're self-employed, you got to bring in all your statements, your P&Ls. There's a lot more red tape um, to actually get you qualified, but it's also in your bene- benefit because we want to make sure that when you get into one of these homes that you're fully qualified and you're going to be able to sustain this payment from whatever the term you choose, whether it's a um, 5, uh, 10, 15, tw- or 30-year-arm. You know for it, so it's good. That's a good thing that actually came out of uh 2008. So it's obviously giving you some protection, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, let's talk about like 2001. Thank you for the recap on 08. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was a big mess that we all had to deal with. Yeah, I know my sure. family was directly impacted, and they saw more than like a 50% drop. Oh, everybody in, was in, the, in income, yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. So, mm-hmm. we all had to make adjustments. Are we seeing indicators, you know, either nationwide or even here within Phoenix for something like that to occur here within 2001? And I'm going to touch on this. I'm going to say I am no. It's just flat out no from here that we can see, especially like within Phoenix. Because as you know, and you were stating earlier, we're going to have to see a steady increase of the interest rates, correct?
0: In order to change that buyer demand enough. Yes. The demand is highly change The affordability index. Correct. So... Let me get something down for people that really can't visualize this thing. So, a three hundred thousand dollars house at you know two and a half percent, the payment on that is a lot lower than the same exact house at five and a half percent. Mm. So what happens is if interest rates increase, the affordability index has to come down, mm. because if your fixed, if your monthly income is fixed, and, and relatively it is for everybody, right? You know you have a ceiling You say, hey, look, I make five grand a month, I can't afford, you know, any more than. a month on a mortgage payment, right? You know, if you get in that situation, you either get priced out of the market and you drop out of the market, the demand drops, or you say, hey, look, I'm willing to pay $250 for that house, right? So there's downward pressure on those prices. So I don't want to be a dick and say, yeah, there's going to be a market crash, but at some point, when is it going to become unaffordable? And what makes me very interested is human nature repeats itself over and over and over again. Yeah. There's going to be a greed factor where everybody's like, Shit, you know, Bitcoin went up. where'd it go from, like 4,000? Now it's at 36,000 today.
1: I mean, it hit 40. Hopefully it's going to 50. I got a couple coins. You got a couple <laughs> coins? Yeah.
0: I bought a shitload of Bitcoin at 4,000. XRP right? screwed me. XRP got yeah, me done. rid of the dick. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Bitcoin, you look at it, that's greed driven, right? Yeah. And you had everybody get on the bandwagon. They are like, well, shit, I'm going to buy it at 4,000. I'm going to buy it at, you know, now they're buying it at 30,000, 40,000. They're still buying it because they think it's going to go to 100000 Well, mm-hmm. you know, perception is a lot of that, right? And so perception drives an economy. If you're perceived to, you know, be comfortable in terms of, you know, employment in the future and you got, you know, a good economy, people are willing to spend a lot of money. You know, so if that perception of the economy changes, you know, we start to become pessimistic. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very big leading indicator of bullshit to come in the future. And say, look, you know, if people aren't buying houses anymore, they're not spending money on consumer goods anymore, they're not taking trips anymore, they're not... You know, they're they're starting to save more and spend less, they can have a massive inca- impact on the macro economy. You know, we're not just talking about the housing market, that's a macro thing. Yeah. And so when you break it down to just the housing thing, interest rates are gonna drive it one hundred percent. Yeah. Interest rates are the biggest driver of the housing economy. Yeah, and
1: I'm glad you you mentioned uh, perception as far as like the macro economy, because once you start, you know, infiltrating that into the media and into the news, and I've ever seen especially now even social media that hey, a recession is on a horizon, a recession, we're in a recession and it's coming, people are definitely gonna start tightening up really, really quick because of you know the fear factor, especially that they had from 08. And there's gonna be a lot of families, even a lot of parents, even myself, they're gonna be like, okay, boom, what do we have to do because something's about to hit? Do I have to liquidate some of my, um, some of my assets? Do I have to keep cash or to hold cash? What are we going to do? So that's definitely gonna have a huge impact on exactly where the economy is going to hit. Do I foresee that happening? You never know. But as far as the interest rates going back to that, um, you know, there's a lot of statistics saying even Forbes saying that they are going to actually they're going to remain low through 2001, potentially even through 2023. Yeah. If, if that's going to occur, we don't know. But even with let's go back to supply. So our supply here, when I last checked um, on Monday morning, actually I checked again, but we're less I think we're less than 6000 homes active currently within. Phoenix maricopa market.
0: It's a, it's a misleading stat though. Yeah. So there's a little bit more meat behind there. You know, so that's a great headline. Oh shit, there's only 4,500 single-family homes available in all of Phoenix Metro. Problem is, is that we actually sold 10,000 homes last month. You know, so what happens is it's just the velocity of the market is faster. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're seeing homes sell instantaneously. They're not sitting in the market for days. 10 days. They're yeah. sitting on the market for hours. 10 hours. Yeah. That's the difference. So when you see that, Inventory number, that's only a snapshot, boom, at that exact time. But it doesn't show the flow. So, you know, you have 10,000 homes coming on the market and 10,000 homes selling. So there's inventory there. You know, so it's turning over. It's just turning over faster. You know, the available inventory has shrunk a little bit, but there's new inventory to replenish. You know, so if you start seeing it get below forty five hundred, we should be a little bit nervous, but yeah, you know, it's definitely a seller's market.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. that just has to come because normally we're at like seventy percent of what we normally are at this time of year as far as what the inventory is supposed to be. So that means that would put us around eighteen thousand homes as far as inventory.
0: Yeah, we're at thirty percent of yeah, the available. Exactly. Inventory.
1: Yeah. So um, so at that point in time, you know, definitely the buyers are gonna be, you know, in a place where hey, there's gonna be a little bit more negotiation, maybe we can ask on reductions yeah. in price. Or maybe even closing costs, you know, things of the sort. But here within Phoenix, that's definitely not the case if you're looking to get into the market. And that's why we say interest rates remain low, uh, hot, low, supplies remaining low. So that's still driving up the demand and of also course. the prices. That's the biggest thing is the price. And eventually, like you were saying, we're going to have either correction when it comes to affordability because they can only go up so often. Nationally, um, Last last year in 2015, there was an average of 15 percent of appreciation. Mm -hmm. That's that's insane. That's Mm -hmm. wild. I know Maricopa County here alone um, experienced 18.5 or 19 percent appreciation. So, if you own a house, you're doing well. You know, if you're on yeah, if you're on the buy side, you're going to definitely have to be a little bit more patient. You know, as far as things, um, but as far as that, if you're one of those buyers that is waiting and saying, "Hey, something's going to happen. Is there going to be a crash? You know, I'm just holding out." Well. They've said there's been supposed to be a crash and I've been falling for like the last five years now. And every right. year it just hasn't happened, hasn't happened, happened, hasn't happened. Now, since COVID, let's bring up COVID a little bit. There's been a huge amount of evictions, right? Correct? Or at least obviously pending well, evictions. Well, there's evictions. pending is not evictions, not actual evictions, but yeah. Pending evictions. Pending evictions. You told me a stat a few weeks ago that just within Arizona alone, there's 65,000
0: evictions, evictions in Arizona. Not yes. just within
1: uh, Phoenix, but within Arizona. Yeah,
0: that's a state. Yeah. Correct.
1: So we probably have, Phoenix has probably a little bit over a third of that. Would you think, Would you say?
0: I would say we'd have 70% of that. 70%? If, I mean, Tucson's not that big. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah.
1: So even with that, that has to do with like multifamily apartments and even um, landlords. Single family homes. Yeah, yeah the landlords course. They have tenants in there. So mm-hmm. the the landlords are probably in a really, really tough spot right now.
0: They are. You yeah. know, if they don't have a federally backed loan and their person just stops paying, they still got to pay the mortgage. Yeah. Still got to pay the taxes. Still got to pay the insurance. Yeah. Where's that coming from? Mm. It's tough.
1: Yeah. And even, um, obviously, Trump signed the, um, the eviction moratorium in September. Mm-hmm. And then Biden just um, signed an executive order to extend it an additional two months. Right. How do you think that's going to affect um, the economy or even here with even well, us locally?
0: I mean, you're just kicking the can down the road. You know, I don't like to do that. I like to just take my pain and, you know, move on. Yeah. Um, it's tough because this has been—we—we we haven't had to deal with this in our lifetime ever. How do you make economy thrive and survive through massive unemployment, through you know all these hardships? The only way to do it is have the government prop it up. It's, it's the only way, right? So they Bring have more to put. Money. Yeah. They're, well, they're doing that. They're <laughs> they rejecting, are. you know, two trillion dollars, whatever. You know, their their new stimulus bill, bill is one point nine three trillion dollars. But you know, on the landlord side, I feel for these people. You know, I feel for both a tenant and I'm I feel a, landlord for a landlord myself, I absolutely I'm a landlord. yeah. It's that's a scary thing to think about. It sucks when you have to evict somebody. It yeah. sucks. It's the worst feeling ever. You you know? Know? It sucks when they miss a payment and you yeah, you and have you to hit it. Break or a that second one. Anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. Either way it's coming out of your account. Yes, it no is. No matter what. And a yeah. lot of these landlords, they're not making, you know, one two thousand dollars, you know, per home. No, Sometimes like just a few hundred bucks. bucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so
1: it's definitely a stretch and that can hurt that can not only affects, you know, the people that, you know, the tenants feel for them because you don't want to evict them, but then the landlord, Whoa, he's got several mortgages that he has to pay, not just one that he has to worry
0: about. Yeah. There's a multiplier effect there for sure. Okay. What I'm worried about is that, you know, say interest rates go up and then the eviction moratorium ends massive vacancy. Where the hell are they going to move? Moving with their parents, I guess, right?
1: That's always so option then, if you can. <laughs> you
0: know, what happens if the demand for rental properties goes down? You know, then you got a bunch of landlords that have vacant properties, right? What are they going to do? They're going to yeah. put the house in the market. Then the perception changes. And wait a minute. Hey, look, you know, the market's churning. We should probably sell all our homes. Massive glut of inventory. Then what's going to happen? Downward pressure on price. Yep. Perception. About perception.
1: That's a big thing. Now, even coming in from like the landlord and a lot of these individuals that are, you know, taking hits on you know, on these payments, that can't sustain them, you know, for obviously as we've gone over a, uh, almost a year now, and now it's going to be continuing. Do you foresee a mass flood of foreclosures? Because I know that's a big question that everybody's kind of, you know, wondering, right? Hey, are there going to be any foreclosures? What's the foreclosure rate?
0: Where are we it at? It depends on interest rates, depends on perception. I think if interest rates go up and public perception of the economy changes, And keep in mind that we just inaugurated a president. I don't know how that will affect the economy. I really, really don't. You know, I've been through this a few times now with 9-11. been through it with 2008 market corrections. You know, there was a small correction in 2000 when the dot-com bust came. We always make it through. And so to finish out the podcast, you know, everybody says, look, um, don't try to time the market. You know, because you're going to get murdered either way, you know. (laughs) <laughs> you just can't time it. Yeah, a lot of guys you are know. crushed. Yeah. Don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait.
1: That's the golden nugget, ladies and gentlemen, there it is. right there. That's the yeah. golden nugget. So just to wrap up guys, do we foresee a 2021 market far, uh, market crash? You know, it looks highly unlikely as long as interest rates stay low and the perception, you know, within the market and within media, you know, stays, you know, on a healthy side to where you know, there's not going to be any big or drastic changes, you know, in the marketplace to where we're going to start making some, um, some really critical decisions to where we're going to have to offload. And then supply just goes up and the interest rates go up as well. And <clears throat> that's where actually it's like the trickling down effect. So if you guys are interested in obviously students, stay in tune with us, you know, as far as uh, what the market crash is going to be, we're going to be talking about if, if now is the right time to sell. now is the right time to buy. So keep, uh, keep in tune with us guys. We're going to see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time.